eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. AC Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Sunny and warm today. There he is, Ryan Horvat, BetMGM tonight. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat, part of the BetQL Radio Network. Him, Nick Ashu, and Trista Crick, his co-host uh, during the week. Again, we're getting on college football season now, NFL season. Ryan Horvat's wheelhouse Saturday mornings on The Fan in Milwaukee, 8 AM to 9 AM. Catch Ryan Horvat at his first show uh, this last weekend was able to catch some of that. That was a, a good time. So again, every Saturday morning, eight to nine on 1250, catch Ryan Horvat here in Milwaukee. And if you're watching or listening to this somewhere else, then just find your BetQL station nearest you and uh, check them out there. All right, Ryan Horvat, the Green Bay Packers exhibition season, Dunzo in the books. They take care of the Seattle Seahawks and the interception, in the end zone, all that fun stuff. Uh, did this uh, play out better? Uh, or worse, or about what you expected for the Packers through preseason games and really played their starters quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with this last game against Seattle. I was thrilled because I did bet the Packers. That was uh, one of the good things that happened to me this weekend after UTEP let me down with the stupidest play calling in college football history. More on that uh, tonight on BetMGM tonight, though. So the Packers did the damn thing, and it wasn't looking good there. You know, they had to win in comeback fashion. But – my biggest takeaway the entire preseason, what I wanted to see, like everybody else, was what the defense would look like because all we heard about was the exit interviews last season with Joe Barry where he straight up asked, hey, what could I improve on? What could I do better to help you guys succeed? And they were like, hey, we want to play more press man coverage. We don't want to be lined up 15 yards off the ball. And I actually like what I saw from the defensive side of the ball. Now we didn't see all the guys, obviously. You know, I'm thrilled that Rashawn Gary is going to be healthy. He's going to be ready to go. Kenny Clark, uh, as somebody pointed out on social media yesterday, is still Kenny Clark. That kind of pisses me off, though. Like, where was that Kenny Clark last year? You know, maybe Ryan, 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 Ryan. We know the inconsistencies of Kenny Clark. He doesn't do this every week. Now, again, one week he'll look great, and then we we won't see him for three weeks. So I'm not going to get too worked up about Kenny Clark yet. Also, um, 
So, well, here's the thing, too. Let me defend Kenny Clark. Like, let's be like, let's not be fanboys here and let's be realistic football fans that go back and watch the tape. Kenny Clark hasn't had much help on that defensive line lined up next to him the last four years. God bless Dean Lowry's soul. We wish him well. You know, I mean, come on now. So we'll see what Wyatt is. We'll see what some of these guys are, right, Slayton. But uh, he needs some help because he does eat a lot of double teams. But last year, he just didn't really look motivated. In the preseason, though, he looked like a beast. So I liked everything I saw from the defensive side of the ball. And then like anybody else, I wanted to see Jordan Love. I've been the biggest Jordan Love critic, even though people see me as a Jordan Love hater. Once again, I'm going to defend myself because I didn't like the pick. I was Team Rodgers. But now that Rodgers is gone, uh, I've fallen in love with everything that I've seen from Jordan Love this preseason. And I like the way that they managed him, right? Like, give us a short little sample size of Jordan Love, right? Like, put him out there, give him a drive, let him throw a touchdown pass, feel himself, build some confidence, especially with his young wide receivers, which Romeo Dobbs uh, was tremendous as well. That's what I wanted, right? He didn't need to play a whole half. We don't want him throwing a bad interception, getting down on himself. That could happen during the regular season, but right now they go into the regular season, um, you know, with a pretty easy schedule and a weak NFC and a weak NFC North. And I'm feeling pretty good about Jordan Love. Like he will not, he won't be the reason why this team stinks, right? If this team wins six, seven games, it won't be because of Jordan Love. I like what I've seen from AJ Dillon. Uh, we know what Aaron Jones is going to be. I have no concerns about the offensive line other than David Bakhtiari being healthy for 90% of the snaps this season. I don't think Jordan Love will be the te- the reason this team stinks. I think if this team stinks, it'll be the defensive side of the ball and it'll be Joe Barry. So that's what I wanted to see this preseason, man, and I'm thrilled for the regular season. I'm excited. Okay, so I had Jacob Morley on the show Friday from Packer Report, Packer Day Podcast. Thanks, Jake. Uh, and he was, I love talking to Morley. And then him and I were going back and forth because we were pretty hard on Carlson. So when Carlson hit the 57-yarder, he's, he's texting. He's like, what the hell with Carlson? Again, that's that's a, another young guy that you know needed that, I think. That 57-yard kick helps his confidence, helps the team's confidence, kind of helps everybody's confidence kicking 57-yard field goal. And that field goal hit the back wall. So that field goal, he might have kicked that from 67, dare I say, as far as as far as that ball traveled through the uprights on that field goal at the end of the first half. Now, having said that, let's just think about it from this perspective. If you watch, and I know you do, if you watch all the tweets that have been coming from training camp practices, from joint practices, and then have been watching the exhibition games, especially this last one, I'll tell you where my concern lies. And you're right, not Jordan Love. My concern is drops. These dudes are dropping a bunch of balls. They're dropping balls in practice. They're dropping balls in joint practices. And they're dropping balls in the game, too. I, 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 I like messing around with my guy Ryan Horvath about his Justin Fields love. Um, and I sent him a, a text message last night of all of Justin Fields' throws and his last game against the Bills, which Josh Allen started, by the way, for Buffalo. Justin Fields was just missing throws. If you go back and look at Jordan Love's throws in his last game, they're there. But guys are dropping the ball. Jaden Redrop, one or two. Uh, Watson, yes, he underthrew the deep ball a little bit. Watson had to turn around. It hit him in both hands. Both hands. Like, you've got to make that catch. Musgrave has dropped several balls uh, throughout training camp and preseason as well. For me, Ryan, my concern on the offensive side of the ball isn't Jordan Love. It isn't the running backs. It's not the offensive line. I'm concerned about these young dudes holding on to the damn football 
and costing him big plays or big first down catches and stuff like that because he's not really missing the target much. He's pretty much putting it where they can catch it nine out of every 10 throws, and these guys are dropping balls. Hey, more more actually me gushing about Jordan Love, and I agree, man. Like, let's be honest. Christian Watson was great the second half of the season, but Christian Watson, how many games did Christian Watson cost the Packers last season? Like, let's look at it like this, right? How many times did we hear, oh, we had a a whole game plan planned around Christian Watson that he got hurt on the first drive and everything fell apart? Well, like, that's on the floor, and – you know, and you know, uh, I guess uh, Adam Stenovich. Yeah. I almost, I almost threw hacking under the bus for that one too, poor guy. But like, why is your game plan all around a rookie, right? And and why, you know, when some zig, you got a zag. But like Jordan Love, uh, one thing I wanted to say because I watched Rodgers too in the preseason. Jordan Love learned so much from Aaron Rodgers. Like Rodgers didn't learn anything from Brett really, except for like what not to do. The back shoulder throw that Jordan Love threw for a touchdown right. was the same throw that Rodgers threw. It was a great has throw. Has been throwing. Yep. And you watch like his footwork, but uh, man, Jordan Love looks really good. But I completely agree. I mean, you know, Christian Watson will probably have a couple drops. Dobbs may still run a crappy route or have a bad drop. But, you know, like that's just things that we have to expect going into the season with the youngest wide receiver room. And that's why we have to have our expectations. I mean, our expectations for this season, we look at the win total at seven and a half, and I think that should be the the expectations. Eight, nine wins, try to win the North, make the playoffs. But, you know, this isn't going to be a 13-win team, most likely. If it is, that's awesome. But I just kind of expect those growing pains because this is the youngest wide receiver room in the league. That's why you really have to lean on the run game, right? Uh, I mean, A.J. Dillon has to take on a bigger role this season, and he's looking to get himself paid. Aaron Jones, he's another year older, but I don't really see there being a drop-off. So then you could open up the play action a little bit more, use those tight ends, figure out who the main guy is in that tight end room. Is it Musgrave? Is it Kraft? Is it DeGuara? I'm not a DeGuara fan, so I don't think that's going to be the case. But I just kind of expect those growing pains. And I do expect to lose some games because of bad drops, because of missed field goals, because of special teams. And... Well, I'll feel bad for Jordan Love the same way I felt bad for Aaron Rodgers for 17 years. And then everybody will be like, oh, Horvath, it's the Green Bay Packers, not the Green Bay Loves. But, I mean, Rodgers dealt with a lot of crap that Jordan Love most likely will too. Okay, so I wish we had like a three-hour talk show, you and me right now in Milwaukee, to do together because there's so much stuff to talk about. I, let, let's start a little bit um, with the running back and A.J. Dillon because LaFleur came out and said – this is the deal with A.J. Dillon. They talked to him in the offseason and said, you need to run behind your pads and run over people. Like Enough is enough. Like We need you to punish people. They do not want to attack you. If you get behind your pads and we want you to get low and start killing people, that's pretty much what they told him. A.J. Dillon said, yes, sir. And that's what you saw a little bit here this week where he kind of started running over guys. And that's what LaFleur was saying. Like if you just start running behind your pads and putting your head down and crushing people, you're going to get more yards. You know, that two yard gain may end up being five yards because you may fall forward two or three yards after you destroy some dude that's holding on to you by an ankle or something. To me, that's good because if he runs like that, like he did against Seattle into the season consistently all season, that makes Dylan a bigger weapon. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what... <laughs> that's the reason you took him in the second round. Like, we talk about, oh man, Bijan and, and um, you know, like... Uh, Jameer Gibbs, these guys went way too early. Not if they end up being like stud all pros that change your offense for the next five years, but even a second round pick is early for a running back, and that's where they took AJ Dillon. So that's what we want to see. I mean, he was supposed to be the Derrick Henry in the Matt LaFleur offense, which I always thought was kind of funny, man, because Matt LaFleur never used Derrick Henry in the Tennessee offense. Same way he doesn't use Aaron Jones. Um, but yeah, he's got to be that type of back because you already have your back that's going to like bounce around and try to you know, get to the edge, and that's Aaron Jones. So last year, everybody, I was, like, excited. Everybody was like, man, A.J. Dillon's a better pass catcher than we thought coming out of Boston College. It's like, yeah, they don't throw the ball to running backs out of Boston College, but I don't want him in that role. He's supposed to be the goal line, the red zone back, and uh, he never was. You know, the same way that Detroit used Jamal Williams. And that's why I wanted to bring back Jamal Williams, and I didn't really understand the A.J. Dillon pick. I just thought that he fit that role better. And he proved last year that he did. But if A.J. Dillon could, you know, hit the hole this year and create some punishment, I like, like this is what I've been saying the last couple of years. Nothing makes me more angry than seeing like A.J. Dillon brought down by one linebacker or two DBs. You know what I mean? Every single time he goes down, there should be three bodies, four bodies, and he's trucking them along. You know what I mean? And uh, you just never see that. Run angry, dude. And I think we will get that, though, because. You know, he's trying to get himself paid. He probably wants to stay in Green Bay or at least be playing somewhere in the league next year. Okay, let's stay on the running back room. Ryan Wood put out his projections Monday morning. We're recording this at 12.50 Monday afternoon. So there could be more cuts that are coming that we're not we're going to miss here as we're recording the podcast. But he put out his projections this morning. Now, he had Pat O'Donnell making the team. Pat O'Donnell didn't make the team. We'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast. But in his projections, this one stunned me. He had them keeping only... Jones and Dylan at running back. That's it. And said that they can get Wilson and Taylor. He thinks back to back to the practice squad. So if they need them, they can just elevate them on game days. If somebody were to get hurt uh, and so forth thoughts on only keeping two running backs. No, you got to keep three. I think you got to keep three, especially in this offense. I mean, because they're so different too. Um, like who's like the third down type back. If Aaron Jones, gets hurt. A.J. Dillon's not a three-down back. Right. I'm still trying to figure out if A.J. Dillon's a one-down back. I think A.J. Dillon, I like A.J. AJ Dillon, but like when we hear like outsiders talk about the Packers, I feel like he's one of the more overrated backs in the league. And I, if you look at like the numbers, though, as far as efficiency, he was pretty good the last, like last season, though. So I'm not trying to sit here and hate on A.J. Dillon, but I, I think you got to keep three backs. I just, what if both of them go down? I mean, then you're going to put a slot receiver. Then does Jaden Reed become your running back. And I mean, that could happen. We've right. seen two quarterbacks go down in the game for the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. I think you got to keep three. I mean, I get the way that he's thinking in a perfect world. You can do that. 
I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Next one. You brought it up. Let the record show. I did not bring it up. You brought up watching Rodgers and the Jets. And yeah. I'm sure most Packer fans recorded Rodgers and the Jets to watch it. And I watched it later that night. I had no idea what he did. I knew he did saw, I knew he threw a, t- or they had a touchdown because I saw a headline on ESPN saying Caps performance with touchdown or something. So I knew he did something. Um, so I went back and I watched it. I don't know if you caught this on the Packer broadcast, but I certainly did. Love throws the one ball, Reed drops it, just boom, right here, drops the ball. The camera guy or the producer, whoever is doing it, directs the next shot after the receiver drops the ball immediately on a close-up of Jordan Love's face after the receiver drops the ball and kind of like, okay, let's see what he does. And he's stoic, like not talking, just like no big deal. Just like if you're sitting in a library, just nothing. Meanwhile, later that afternoon, Rogers is playing. Something went wrong with Rogers and there's the, the shot of Rogers and you could see him. MFN and whatever else and all mad about something that went down. Uh, that to me is what I want to see. I know Rogers isn't changing. So put that aside. Hold on. I, I want to see how Jordan love changes because as we mentioned earlier, if drops do become a thing, he's human, right? At some point you're going to show frustration. If guys keep dropping balls in big situations to this point and LaFleur brought it up last week, he has shown no emotion when things don't go right. Like none, no outwardly anger or anything. It just keeps playing and doesn't think twice about it. I just wonder if that is a thing that's always going to be, or at some point, are we going to see angry Jordan love come out here? Rogers, we know what that looks like. And the Jets will find that out as well. But will we see Jordan love get more emotional than he has been? Cause you see him dance and get excited for good things. Bad things. Nothing, nothing at all, Ryan. And I, I mean, I think that's good, but I don't know if you can maintain that for a whole season. All right, so here's here's what I'll say to that, right? Jordan Love, come week eight, come week nine, might be a totally different quarterback if Jaden Reed or Christian Watson drops a wide-open touchdown and he might show some emotion. Because right. here's the thing, right now he's young. Look at it like anything that you do in life. Like when you first start in radio, right, and you go into the station, you're just happy to be there and – if something goes wrong, let's say maybe, I don't know, it's your big debut solo show and you have double audio and you can't even hear your guests, you're probably like, hey, it's okay, young producer. Everybody has an off day. Right. Because you're 23 and you're just happy to have that job, right? Because you were just making yeah. $9 an hour in Creston, Iowa. Fast forward, you're in your mid-30s. You've been doing this for 12 years. You had to pay your dues, right? And some piss pants is dropping passes. You know what you're going to do? You're going to show a little frustration. Yeah. You know why? Because you demand perfection because every single day you're up at six in the morning working on your craft and if somebody comes in there and they're not working on your craft at 6 a.m and they're they're the reason they're going to cost you success you're going to get angry so right now jordan love is still a young quarterback dealing with young people and so he's going to let this stuff fly but yeah rogers is going to get upset and angry which is fine i'm not brady too do you remember brady when he was like 24 25 mf and his linemen or yelling at his receivers or going at his oc i don't but I remember you earned that. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, like I said, it's not, this isn't about hard on Rogers. No, 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 no. Hold on. I'm not, th- that was not to bang on Rogers. My point is we know what Rogers is, right? We've seen him throughout his career. We know he gets like, mad. Brady. Yeah. We knew Manning, Peyton Manning. We knew he got mad, right? Some yeah. of these guys, you just know who they are. Cutler, another one. So we know that 
But Probably. this dude, there, how many guys can you come up with though, Ryan? Seriously, that don't have emotion when things go bad. They just walk off and oh, no big deal. We got you. Like no burrow. I don't think there's I don't think there's many of them. That guys that that don't that don't show the emotion or disappointment or the anger or hands on the helmet or something. And Mom. so far, he hasn't shown anything. See, that's and that's why when it's all said and done, you know who's gonna be the greatest quarterback of all time because he's a killer out there. Joe Montana. Uh, well, Montana or no, I Patrick Mahomes. You see, like, uh-huh. like if somebody like tackles him, like if you watch that the quarterback documentary, which ended up being being pretty dumb, it was just like a fluff piece. But like Mahomes is like going back and forth with DBs, and he's just so damn good. And he is the guy though. Like if his guy drops a pass, he never gets on his guys though. He's always like, hey, you'll make the next play. Um, Joe Burrow's kind of that way, but he's also kind of fiery. I, I don't know. I, I think. Th- I think Jordan Love is going to show a lot of emotion. That's going to be a long season. I mean, hopefully a good, successful season. Right. But there's so many young dudes on this team. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to run a wrong route. He's going to throw a bad pick six, and he's going to get pissed off. Um, right now, he really hasn't had reason to do so, though, either. You know what I mean? No, just drops. Drops have been the only thing, really, that 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 would irritate him. But it was just funny to me. Whoever was doing that Packer preseason game, the camera work was like close up on Jordan Love after that drop. And it went whoop, right there. Like it was right on his face. And he showed nothing. Just stoic as could be. I was like, okay, well, they're obviously looking for you to make a mistake or looking for you to show some emotion and kind of, you know, talk about it and just absolutely doing nothing. The other thing from that game, and John Kuhn was on it, not initially he wasn't on it, but he figured it out as he kept talking. Uh, and that was them running this tempo where they were running no huddle and trying to do stuff. And initially he was like, this is a big ask for a bunch of young guys playing together. And when they did it the second time, then he realized what I was saying the first time they did it watching TV. But again, it's easier to be at home versus actually doing a broadcast. Oh yeah. The second time, then he's like, Hey, you know, they haven't had a chance to run a two minute offense this entire preseason because they're not really in there at that point. So this makes sense of why they're trying to run as much tempo as they are. And then Jordan love just lights it up on that drive where they go down and score a touchdown. Um, and is unconscious. That was smart by Matt LaFleur. I give him credit. I really do for thinking like that, that I had, I'm going, we're just running a bunch of tempo and we're going to get you kind of ready for a game situation that they have not done in a game situation to this point. Now they do it in practice, right? Every practice they did it in joint practices. Yes. But in game situation with crowd noise and everything else, they really haven't done it. So I don't know. I, I thought that was pretty smart versus like, say, the Atlanta Hawks who think Desmond Ritter is Joe Montana and don't want to play him. And that makes absolutely no sense to me what the hell they're doing. I, I, no, I no, get no. Not, playing, not playing Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, plays every week. I get that. Josh Allen played for the Bills, for God's sakes, against the Bears. And you're not playing Desmond Ritter and you're you're because they're young, too. They got London, Bijan, Desmond Ritter. They're a bunch of young dudes, too, in Atlanta, and they're watching them. Sorry, I'm getting diverted. But my point is, credit to LaFleur for running that offense, for letting these young guys kind of to run through it a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
feel like you're trying to troll me because you know how I feel. Do you, do you know how much money I have on Atlanta winning nine games and making the playoffs this season? No. You know how I'm uh-uh. right? No, I have no idea. I actually think, dude, Desmond Ritter doesn't even have to be that good. He just has to be an improvement over Marcus yeah. Mariota. They had three running backs last year inside the top 20 as far as efficiency. Yeah. You add now the best running back in college football history. Kidding, but he's one of the best. And you already have Tyler Algier last year broke the Atlanta Falcons rushing record as a rookie, right? You have Patterson, who is ridiculously good. Now you have Kyle Pitts, who hopefully ends up catching double-digit touchdowns for the first time in his career. Drake London, who didn't drop a pass until week nine. And on the defensive side of the ball, they spent the fourth most money in free agency, right? Campbell, Bud Dupree's there now. I don't know how good Jeffrey Okuda is. In fact, I'm sure he's not very good, but I know he's probably an improvement over anything they had. Jesse Bates is there now. They have the second easiest schedule in the league, only next to the New Orleans Saints. I think Atlanta's actually going to be pretty good. Uh, I agree with everything you said, though. I've loved everything I've seen from LaFleur, Jordan Love. I, I'm not even going to be a hater. There's people out there that call into, like, Winkler show for me now, and they're like, oh, Horvath's a hater. Somebody called me the Gary Wolfel of the Green Bay Packers. Bar- I just had Gary Wolfel on Green and Growing last week. Go check it out on Growing Podcast. Yeah. But am, I even, am I even a hater at all about this team? No, I think I call out the like, I, white teams. I mean, I call out Matt LaFleur for looking like he's going to cry at the podium every time. Which we get he does. I call out Matt LaFleur for Aaron Jones, one of the better running backs in the league, only have four touches uh, going into the half. Mm-hmm. I call out Joe Barry for being a doofus. I call out everybody on the defensive side of the ball because I think they gave up at times. I even called out Rodgers last year. Rodgers sucked last year. He was terrible, especially against Detroit. I called him Aaron Rodgers. And you, you called Rodgers out for what he did to Romeo Dobbs and ruining his confidence. I mean, that's you, the thing. yeah, you've been yeah, fair. I don't, think you've, I don't think you've been unfair. I, I just think people don't want to like, hear positive stuff about Rodgers and all that stuff. And huh. Why does it? Here, why does everybody think that I have this like weird obsession? Yes, that big head that you're holding in your hand. Aaron Rodgers. I just, I don't get it. Oh, hey, Aaron, how are you? Yeah, oh, I mean, it's it, like again, it doesn't bother me necessarily, but I, I get why everybody else. Everybody else wants to be done with them and no positive stuff about Rodgers. Let's move on. And you are going to support your guy, and that's fine. But you're also going to support Love and the Packers, which is what I tell everybody. Uh, okay, couple other notes from this game. Do you agree Malik Heath is not only on this roster, but probably is the fourth wide receiver on this roster right now and maybe third wide receiver on this roster if Reed doesn't start catching the ball? Because I think he's moved in front of Wicks. I think he's moved in front of Toure. Of the group of wide receivers, I think he's got the most sure hands on the uh, uh, in the wide receiver group at this point. Malik Heath, actually- man. You actually cut out. I it like. Froze. Oh, that's okay. We'll My point is, more time. Sorry, I man. said Malik Heath. Not only I think is on the roster, but he might be the fourth receiver behind Reed. And if Reed continues to drop balls, he's going to be the third receiver on this team. Yeah. Undrafted, I know. Had his off the field issues. I know in college that's why he didn't get drafted and character stuff. Just like uh, just like Cox that we're going to talk about, but. He, I think he has the best hands of everybody in this core. I think he's got the best hands on the team. No, no, I agree with you, man. But the only thing that I'll advise and I want to say is please do not give up on Jaden Reed because I'm really high on Jaden Reed. And like we talked about with Jamar Chase, probably the best wide receiver behind Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams in the league. He couldn't catch a ball the first couple preseason games and all of camp as well. It's a little bit of an adjustment. The ball is a little bit bigger, the game. I mean, like, I don't want to give up on Jaden Reed, but I completely agree. I like Heath. Yeah, um, I think he's a stud. And that's what I was saying. Remember, we, we did this topic. Actually, we talked about this on the last curtain long when I was with you. 
And I said, I would keep seven, eight wide receivers because we don't really know yet. I mean, right. Romeo Dobbs looks really good, but injuries happen. Christian yep. Watson really looked good the second half of the season. And because of his speed, we're going to have to have him on the field. But we don't really know. You know what I mean? Like who the hell knows? And you always see it with these guys. There's, I mean, like with the Packers, they always find value in these later rounds with with these no name dudes. Like who know who knew Jordy Nelson was going to be that good? He was a quarterback. Well, Kansas I'll tell you State. something else. Uh, we talked about this too, but Walker played good again at left tackle. I mean, he went in there again, played well, held his own at left tackle for the Packers. That Rasheed Walker cared. Uh, Caleb Jones has looked good too. I, they they've got something at tackles. And the more I see these kids play, the more convinced I am is David Bakhtiari. This is his last year in Green Bay. This is it. This is done. After this year, they're trading him somewhere. Jets, wherever it's going to be. Because I think that at this point now, they're looking at their tackles and going, we have enough depth. Because it's clear that Nyman is now behind Tom, if you want to put Tom at tackle, and he's behind Walker at tackle. So now he's third behind, well, it's Bakhtiari, then Tom, then Walker, then the Ash Nyman, and then probably Caleb Jones. Yeah, and I really actually, man, I really like Rasheed Walker when he was at Penn State. So I'm, I'm glad that he's going to probably end up uh, getting a roster spot. He's been really good this, yeah. uh, obviously this camp. And like you said, late pick. He's actually a local kid. Grew up like right down the street. The kid that I used to do in DC. Him and Quentin Mayo, uh, the kid that I used to do shows with, were like best friends. He'd go to his games. And, oh, um, yeah, local kid, DC. Seems like a good dude, big size. Even like if Bakhtiari was all in on being a Packer, which I don't know that he is. I think he wants to be in New York with Aaron. This is the Packer way, which used to drive me nuts, but it's always been the smart way to do things, right? The only thing that ever really pissed me off was I loved Corey Lindsley because I had the opportunity when I would go cover events to talk with him, and I just thought he was the nicest guy. Him and Blake Martinez. When they let those guys go, I was like, damn it, because they're such good dudes. But they always do it the right way, right? Like TJ Lang, they let go a year too early. Josh Sitton a year too early. But they ended up being the right decisions. And then we forgot about those guys two, three years later. So I think Bakhtiari is probably the next to go. And let's be honest, I mean, does Bakhtiari, how much good football? When he's on the field, he's great. He's one of the yep. best pass-blocking left tackles in the league. But how often is he on the field? You know what I mean? I mean, well, he's not like, going to practice all when he year. I've never seen anything like it. He's like situational. Remember, like last yep. year, you'd see him, you'd be like, wait a minute, there's Bakhtiari. Where the hell has he been the last three quarters? I don't know. I, you worry about a big dude that's having like fluid drained out of his knee nonstop. Yes, totally agree. So we'll see how he plays. Hopefully, he plays well. They get a good draft pick for him. Uh, and then my guess is they move on. I love Bakhtiari. I loved having him on the big show. I think he's a great offensive lineman, but health is, is a question mark at this point. All right, next one. This one cracked me up. So during the Packer game, apparently they were like having to get on the uh, talk to the fans about like not doing the wave when the Packers were on offense, trying to get the fans to shut up when the Packers were on offense. When they were on defense, it was quieter than all quiet in there when the Packers were playing defense and the Seahawks were on offense. This has been an ongoing thing for a while in Green Bay. This is not a, oh, it's an exhibition game. I saw Bart Winkler tweet out, well, it's, I mean, this was prime for a, a stupid crowd because it's a noon kick exhibition game on a Saturday. So you have all these kids that are there and everything else, kids that people that probably don't go to a lot of games and so forth. The question is this, should Packer fans know better at this point or are people mad over nothing? Meaning, I mean, who cares if they're doing the wave? Like, figure it out, Jordan Love. Just run your offense. Who cares what they're doing in the stands? So that's, that's the question. Is, is this being made a bigger deal than it should be? 
say this with all due respect. It's like when you see this crap, it's like dumbest fan base in the in the National Football League. If you want to do the wave, that's fine. You do the wave when you're on defense. Mm-hmm. You make noise for the defense to distract the opposing offense. Anybody that grew up with half of a brain or watching football knows this. But Meemaw and Peepaw, who have been going to Lambeau since 64, the reason that none of us could get season tickets, nobody understands this. And it's what drives me nuts. You know what else drives me nuts? When I go to a playoff game with my wife and it's three degrees out and we're standing up for the entire game because it's a playoff game and we're on defense and you're hearing down in front. But the wave, like Aaron Rodgers has been begging these people for the last nearly two decades Stop doing it when they're on offense. Now Matt LaFleur has been doing it for the last four years. Come on, get a grip on yourselves. When the head coach, who's too nice in my opinion, is begging you morons to stop doing the wave when we're on offense, stop doing the wave when we're on offense. If it's distracting one of the greatest quarterbacks, assassins, killers in NFL history, what do you think it's going to do? They're going to have to put it on quarterback Jordan Love. No, 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 Jordan Love can just get over it. He's on offense. He's got to communicate with the guys on the offensive side of the ball. He's got to figure out who the mic is and make a check. And he's already got to deal with doofuses like DeGuara anyway, you know, like running the right route. And, you know, like you said, Jaden Reed catching the football. Romeo Dobbs running the right route. Stop doing the wave when we're on offense. Now, I say that with all due respect. I love Packer fans. I'm one of you, but, like, come on. They're Smart going Packer. to have to put it up on the Jumbotron. No wave on offense. Like, it's going to have to be – that jumbotron, they have that brand new jumbotron this year that's beyond gigantic. They're gonna have to put it up. No wave on offense. Like it's gonna have to be on the jumbotron for those people that are at the stadium to remind them: do not do the wave on offense, or it's just bad. make designated times in the game. Say, hey guys, we're gonna do the wave two or three times during the game, but we're gonna direct the wave from the jumbotron. So we'll say, hey, it's time for the wave. Three, two, one, section 224, you started, whatever. However you want to do it. Let the Packers control when it runs. And that way you don't got to worry about it because the fans are going to be like, okay, cool. For example, Badger games. We know when to jump around. It's at the start of the fourth quarter. They play the music. Everybody goes nuts. The Badgers control when happens people aren't just jumping around on whatever whenever they want to run, jump around or the damn badger game the right. Packers would just take control of this come up with like some polka or something to play when you want them to do a wave play a polka, and away you go right I mean I don't know to me that makes a lot of sense but I don't know the Packers want to get into that but they should it would help LaFleur out so much hey really quick did you see that ESPN rated uh jump around as the best tradition in college football right now they did um a half hour show. What's the name of it? Jen Lotta was the host and they did the, it was two segments, a 30 minute show. The first 15 segments, I first 15 minutes. I just watched it last week. I don't know how long it's been on TV for it. Maybe it's a repeat um, was on jump around and like how the whole thing started. As far as the two or three players that got to pick the music list, they asked them, Hey, what do you want us to play during games? Give us some songs. And they gave them, some songs. And back then, House of Pain was like the, the big group, big deal or whatever else to jump around. Oh, yeah. And they the just, they literally just happened to play it, I think, at the end of third goal or the fourth. And all of a sudden, people started jumping and they started looking around. They're like, holy crap, look at this. And then they did it again. And they realized, hey, we may be onto something. And that's how it stuck. It was just two or three guys at a bar scribbling down on, you know, napkins or paper or whatever. 
uh, songs that they wanted to hear at the next Badger game. And that's how the whole thing started. That was a pretty cool uh, backstory to how Jump Around started. By the yeah. way, I'm going to Badger's Iowa uh, well, on October 14th. I cannot wait. My kids have never been to Camp Randall, so it's going to be great. That game right there is going to decide the West. I was actually pretty high on Iowa coming into the season to maybe like score some points because all they have to do this year is average 23 points in their OC, who's also Kirk's son, Brian. Uh, he gets to keep his job. That's how low the bar is set. But, man, they brought in Caden McNamara, who uh, it, Michigan completed 65% of his passes. Nobody's done that at Iowa, I want to say, since 2001. So, But he's like hurt already. He had knee surgery, and I don't think he's even going to start the season. But really quick on that. I have to disagree with ESPN, and I'm sorry, Badger fans. I think jump around is one of the best traditions in college football, but I think you have to put it number two. The best tradition in all of college football is Iowa, and it's the Hawkeye wave when the Kinnick clock hits zero at the end of the first quarter and the 70,000 people in that stadium wave to the uh, family children's hospital. I think that's the best tradition, including the players and the opposing yeah. players. Yeah. That's, that's number one then jump around could be number two. I think but that's I, fair. I, I, I don't like Iowa, but I I, I, I like the state of Iowa. But I, don't I don't like, like Iowa either. But I, I don't like the Hawkeyes. But yeah. I, Hey, man, Iowa is like where my seven-year-old wants to move to. So, like, if we told him we were moving to Iowa, he'd be all excited. Um, it's like his favorite vacation destination is Iowa. Hey. The world's largest truck stop. He loves going yes. there. Bettendorf, which has this huge travel baseball facility now. That's his favorite place to go. We're trying to convince his travel team to go to Bettendorf this next summer for their travel tournament. Like, oh, my God. The kid's obsessed I was, with Iowa. If I could do it all over again, I don't know if I would have left Iowa, to be honest. It's cheap. Yeah, I don't at a house. When I got booze, people would drive me home. All my friends there. Nice uh, people. Really nice people. Like, you know, you know what? I couldn't do it, actually. It's like I a don't know. drive just to go to Target. I, I, I enjoy going to Family Iowa. vacation is Walmart. Anyway, let's go on. All right, let's go on. Last topic. Pat O'Donnell got cut uh, right before we did this podcast. So first, let's talk about that. Then we'll get into the question. We talked about this last week, about this being a possibility. And when we did our roster projections, remember, we're going off Paul Bridal's roster projections. And he said they were keeping O'Donnell because he couldn't foresee them going rookie kicker and rookie punter, which then means the punter, which is Whelan, has to hold the ball for the kicker, who also is a rookie going forward. That We thought that was going to be a disastrous outcome if you have two rookies at punter and kicker at the same time. They said, to hell with it. He's got the stronger leg. We're going with Whelan. This goes along with everything else they've done. We're going with youth over veterans. Your thoughts on deciding to go with Whelan over O'Donnell? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't hate it, to be honest with you. I thought it was funny that they wish Pat O'Donnell, they were like, hey, thanks for everything, man. I mean, he was the punter. I don't right. know. I mean, I trust, I, I trust the coaching staff more than I trust my eye just on like what I've seen in the preseason and youth. Like I'm, I'm more concerned, I guess, with the youth, like in the wide receiver room and Joe Barry than I am the punter. You know what well, I mean? Think so, about Crosby though. And all the issues he had with every placeholder, if it wasn't guy wasn't doing it exactly correct. Crosby's yeah. kicks were all over the place. And now you're telling this rookie to hold it for the other rookie. I, I'm just saying, like, it's interesting. I'm, honest. I'm still so pissed off about Mason Crosby. This poor man, I don't know if you've seen his social media the last couple of days. He has now resulted to kicking field goals and, like, hashtagging 
the NFL. He Love wants it. a job. Yeah, he's made. He hit one from sixty. Yes, uh, he did. Yes, he did. So <laughs> if anybody's, I feel okay. So like, don't cry me a river, Pat O'Donnell. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want Mason back. This one doesn't bother me. I I figured this is the way that they're going. I told you, man. Brian Gutekinds is cutthroat. It's no country. My wife just texted me. She's in the other room. I love Mason. I've told you about this story. <laughs> yes. When we went to uh, the Hall of Fame banquet. Yeah. And she's like, I just want to go say hi. I'm like, we don't go say hi at the current player table. I was like, you could go say hi to Leroy and Gary. Oh, my God. Leroy would have brought her over to Mason. Leroy would have brought her over to Mason and introduced her. She would have done that in a heartbeat. Then we would have needed to like go through his recipe for his mac and cheese. Yeah. No, I love I love Leroy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I, dude, Goot does not like old people. That's, that's my hot take of the day. Goot hates old people. And on this team, he's Jordy decided Nelson. we're going to win a championship. May not be for three or four years, but we're going to build all these young guys together. We're going to take all the lumps together, which this is the question. Will youth cost the Packers a playoff berth this season? Because I've seen Goody now numerous times, press conferences or interviews pretty much say, eh, if it does, it does. But we're gonna we're gonna go with whatever the bumps in the road are this year in order to get ourselves to a championship eventually. Face facts, guys. Listen, if Gutekunst takes this Packers team to a Super Bowl with Jordan Love and this redone roster, nobody's gonna give two you know what about what happened with Aaron Rodgers under Brian Gutekunst. It'll all will be forgotten. Nobody will care, Ryan Horvath. I might care. No, I mean uh well, okay, yeah, you I- will, yes. If anything is going to cost this team a playoff berth, I don't think it'll be youth, to be honest with you. I think it'll be Joe Barry. Yeah. Fair. Or just, or maybe Matt LaFleur isn't that guy, and we haven't realized it. You, you know, like, because the stick-up for, for Mike McCarthy, and granted, I mean, like, Dallas has a good team and a really good defense, but it was always, you know, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers. Now he's been to Dallas, and, I mean, he's had two embarrassing playoff losses back-to-back. But he also ended the career of Tom Brady, beat him in the playoffs, and has taken Dallas to the playoffs back-to-back years. When Jason Garrett looked like a disaster the couple years before that. You know what I mean? So, like, now LaFleur needs to prove that he's a good head coach and he wasn't just being carried by Aaron Rodgers. So I don't really worry about youth. You know, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals were one of the youngest teams in the National Football League, and Joe Burrow took him to the Super Bowl. The Eagles last year, we didn't even know if Jalen Hurts was a starting quarterback. You know what I mean? And they were in the Super Bowl. I feel like now youth actually gets you to the Super Bowl because once you have to pay these guys, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, then you can't have a football team any longer. That That's the thing. You know, Rodgers, the Packers won that Super Bowl, and we're like, hell yeah, we're going to be here every year. But we weren't able to be there every year. I mean, their problem is Green Bay's was we're not like a New York, Chicago. I mean, but I mean, we're not a big market team with a bunch of money to pump out. So once Rodgers got paid, you weren't able to pay a bunch of dudes on the defensive side of the ball, or you paid the wrong ones. Like, I love Clay Matthews, but he averaged, what, 11, 12 games every year. Nick Perry had literally one year of double-digit sacks, and you paid him all that money. And you let the wrong guys go. You know, Micah Hyde, you would have had to overpay, but he's still playing at an elite level, except for last year when he was out with a neck injury. You didn't pay Casey Hayward, and then two years in a row, he led the league in picks. You paid Sam Shields, uh, and then he got hurt. And then, you you know, and then she... So that that was always their problem. So I feel like youth won't cost them. Joe Barry and that defense might cost them. Yeah, I I, I would I would agree on the Joe Barry thing. I, oh, I think that before we go. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack. Yeah. Why does Jimmy Graham in the year 2023 yes. look better than Jimmy Graham his two years in Green Bay? I have a take. 
Jimmy Graham is dead. That is a cyborg. We have recreated <laughs> Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Borg. Jesus. I don't Jimmy buy Borg. it. I don't buy it. He had a good game yesterday. No. That's fine. He, I saw he, the highlights. Yeah, he was yeah, doing that in Green no, Bay. No, I don't <laughs> buy it. It is not Jimmy Graham. He's been reincarnated. Dude, if he if, but if he does play at a Pro Bowl level this year and looks like the fountain of youth, and there's gonna be a lot of testing done on Jimmy Graham week after week, if all of a sudden he shows up looking like a pro bowler <laughs> and kind of going forward. A lot of testing. Uh, he was he just, a last week too, just like wandering on the street, and then last night he's out there making plays. They have like 14 tight ends on that roster, too. Them and the Bears. Yep. I'm I'm anxious to see how this whole thing uh plays out with the Packers. But now, because of the way this is set up, now we got two weeks to wait. Two weeks to wait before we actually get to see uh, anybody on the Green Bay Packers playing football kind of going forward. So we'll see what happens. I'll say this on Mike McCarthy before we go. If he turns Trey Lance into something, that 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 will cement any type of Hall of Fame status if anybody's questioning it. If Trey Lance ends up being the future quarterback of the Cowboys, they tell Dak it's been real. We're rolling with Trey. And then Trey ends up being what the Niners thought he could be and couldn't figure it out. And he figures it out with McCarthy. That's it. Put McCarthy yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Get him a give him a statue. It's over. Well, he's getting that statue, and you know why? You know who's winning the Super Bowl this year? The Dallas. It's not Cow- them. No chance. Oh, it is. Mm-mm. They're winning that division. Well, maybe, maybe the division. Sure. But now I we're probably, talking about Dak winning in the playoffs. I don't like Romo. I don't, I'm not convinced. I'm not there. Really, all right. Hold on though. I'm not I, there. Can we really, okay, so, so Dak threw a bunch of picks in the regular season. Two years ago, the final play call of the season was a quarterback draw for Dak Stupid. to get into field goal range, which would make complete sense. If there wasn't three seconds on the clock. Correct. Last yes. year, the oh. final play call, Ezekiel Elliott's washed up ass for whatever reason, running back, played center and just got blown off the line, which when you think about it, the great career of Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas, his final play was him lined up at center just getting blown off the line of scrimmage, man. So stupid. Yeah. The whole thing. Well, you can put it on deck. So I'm really high on the Cowboys this season. I think they win uh, at least 11 games and that division. Last thing I got. We shall. We shall see. He is Ryan Horvath. Bet. Uh, MGM tonight, BetQL Radio Network. Uh, weeknights while you're watching the games, check those guys out. Him, Tristan Crick, Nick Shoe. Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. on The Fan, 8 to 9 a.m. Talking college football uh, with the Tailgate Show on Saturday mornings, each and every Saturday morning during college football season. So give that a listen to uh, as well. Download this wonderful podcast, Curtin Long, on your Odyssey app. Uh, or wherever you download your favorite podcast, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff too. On the Odyssey Sports YouTube page where we do Curd and Long. We do a spare time bowling show. Who? I just had Kyle Troop on. Everybody knows Kyle Troop. Even if you're not a bowling fan, you know Kyle Troop and his big hair. Uh, He was just on. They're doing a bowling cruise, Ryan Horvat, that you can sign up and bowl in a tournament with these guys on a cruise ship coming up and you leave on New Year's Eve and you come back like a week later. So you spend New Year's on a ship. It, It Sounds pretty cool. Got to be honest. Well, I'm in. So my favorite activity, and I'm not even BSing you, and I don't know if you know this, my grandpa, Bob, uh, he was actually a professional bowler, which is crazy because he could only move like one of his arms because of the way that he was, like the way that he was born. Right. But I'm not very good, but my favorite thing to do is go bowling. The problem is we can only go bowling at one place, and it's one of those places where they like serve you alcohol and food. So when we leave, we've accidentally spent like $450, but it's my favorite activity. I, I love bowling. So you know what? Send me over the info and I might have to go on this bowling cruise. Dude, right it's, I might it's have awesome. To. Yep. 
Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. So, all right, there you go. There he is, Ryan Horvath, C Sparky Pfeiffer. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back on Wednesday. By that point, we'll know what this 53-man roster looks like. Uh, we won't know the practice squad yet, I don't think, when we record on Wednesday. We won't find that out till Wednesday night or Thursday. Uh, but we'll definitely know the 53-man. So we'll talk about that coming up on Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. And as I always like to say, toodles.